All right, so we'll say good morning. We're going to begin by thanking our sponsors. I thank our Tamatori sponsors for the month of Shabbat, the Elbaum family, for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in commemoration of the yard site of their beloved husband and father, Jerry Yaakov Koppel ben Avram Menachem Zichron Levracha. To thank Bracha Strimber for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in memory of her husband, Avi Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi, on the occasion of his ninth yard site. Our week of learning sponsors, Moshe and Anne Ellen Givant, in memory of Anne Ellen's mother, Nechama Bas Shalom Yitzchak, and Larry Safnis, in memory of his beloved wife, Tanya Yona Bas Yaakov. We also thank our Dafyomi sponsor for this morning, Rachel and Jeremy Lassen, in honor of Josh Rosenblum's Hebrew birthday. Mazel tov. And of course, and now, interesting fact, Josh's favorite food is boxer. Incredible. Mamish. Wow, Mamish. Birthday. Incredible. I will say, by the way, part of sponsorships, feel free to include personal information about people. It's a great way for us to get to know each other. Incredible. So we thank. First of all, Josh, happy birthday. Beautiful. Beautiful. By the way, I always say, Dafiomi is a wonderful birthday gift, the anniversary gift, special occasions. It's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, Tavos says, so with that, we thank all of our sponsors. All of the Neshama should have an Aliyah, and all of those having a birthday. Mir Hashem should have a successful, beautiful, and meaningful year. Well, see, with that, let us begin. So we have a beautiful daf out of us today, a lot to do today. Today's daf is Samechaz 68. So we are picking up, Rabbi Osei, on Samech Zayin Amudbeis 67b, and we're picking up at the, uh, at the period. Omer Mar, Omer Mar, it's uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 lines up from the bottom. So I will say, I just want to point out, so now we're in the middle of the sugya, well, we're in the middle of a couple of sugyas, but right now in the middle of the sugya of Shiluach, so here's what we know. We know that halach halamaisa, when you are tummy, you are sent out of the camp. What we also know is not all forms of tumah are the same, and therefore, again, not all forms of what we'll call expulsion. We'll call me, you know, it's a strong word, but I'll use that word expulsion or quarantine are going to be the same either. We've already begun to see this in yesterday's daf, that different forms of tumah carry really with them different levels of quarantine or expulsion. So let's continue on that. I'm sorry, Amr Mar. Zov v'chol zov, l'rabos balkeri. So we'll say the Pasuk says, it says kol zov. So kol zov comes to include a balkeri. So remember again, whereas a zov is a man who has an emission, it's not a seminal emission. It's some other type of emission. But the balkeri, of course, is a man who experiences a seminal emission. Such an individual is Tamei and has a din of expulsion. So we actually have seen this. We saw this at the end of last Tafiyomi Seiko Masechas Midas. In other Midas, there were tunnels. There was a tunnel system underneath the Beis HaMikdash. Those tunnels, interestingly enough, did not possess Beis HaMikdash sanctity. This was important because if you had a Balkari, if you had a coin who became a Balkari, how do you get him out of the Beis HaMikdash without him having to walk through the Beis HaMikdash? So they actually would get him out through a subterranean tunnel system. And the good news was that the tunnel system did not have Kiddush HaMikdash, and the Keri, the Balkari is sent out of Shtei Machanos. Mostly, so remember again, just to orient ourselves a little bit, the three Machanos we discussed was Machane Shechina, Machane Levia, Machane Yisrael, modeled after the encampment in the deserts. In the desert, of course, it's much clearer. Machane Shechina, reference to the Mishkan. Machane Levia, the area surrounding the camp, the Levitic camp surrounding the Mishkan. Machane Yisrael, everyone else. 
in, well, in, in looking in Yerushalayim, for example, Machana Shechina would be the area within the walls of the Beis HaMikdash. Machana Leviya is the Harabayis, and Machana Yisrael is Yerushalayim. All right, so that's just, so the Gemara says, So we'll say, well, yeah, bring another Raisa, that a Balkari has the same status as a person who touches a Sheretz, a, a rodent. Says the Gemara, my love, the Machanosam, does that not mean for expulsion purposes? The Gemara says, lo, le tumasam. No, it means for Tumah purposes. Tumah purposes. So the Gemara says, le tumasam. How can you say that they are equated for Tumah? That's not true. Hai Tumas Erev Ksibbei. Vahai Tumas, I'm sorry. Le tumasam, hai Tumas Erev Ksibbei. Vahai Tumas Erev Ksibbei. Sir, so say, I don't need to compare Balkari to Sheretz for Tumah because Tumah is, ex- is written explicitly by both of them, right? Essentially, Tumas Keri has a one-day Tumah. You become Tar by the evening. And Tumas Sheretz has a one-day Tumah as well. El alav l'machanosam. Rather, it must be that the Torah is coming to equate the expulsion, right? Expulsion for a Balkari and expulsion for Maga Sharetz are going to be the same. To which the Gemara says, Lo, the Olom Tumasam. No, it's coming to equate them for the duration of their Tumah. V'hok Kamashmalon, de Balkari Kemaga Sharetz. So remember again, why do I need a comparison to compare their durations of Tumah? The durations are stated explicitly, right? Both convey Tumah until the evening. So ultimately, the, Torah, so the Gemara says, no, it's coming to teach us the following halacha, that a Balkari is like Maga Sharetz. How so? Ma Maga Sharetz mitami ba'ones. I will say, just like if you come in contact with a sheretz, even ba'ones, I will say what, what, mean, what we mean ba'ones is, let's say, for example, a dead, like Rashi said, a dead sheretz falls on you. So if a dead sheretz falls on you, you become tame, even though, of course, that's totally ba'ones, extenuating circumstances. Af balkari metame ba'ones. So too, if a man has a seminal emission ba'ones, ultimately, again, he is chayiv, not chayiv, but he becomes tame as well. For example, Rashi says, Zobir, that's Rashi, that's metame ba'ones. Kegonim ra'a machmas rov machol umishta. So we'll say it's very interesting that sometimes Chazal understood that a man could experience a seminal emission through too much eating and drinking. So even if a person has a seminal emission, let's say not through a normal willful way, but rather through too much food and too much drink, you are tummy for that as well. In other words, I would have thought that maybe the only time a man becomes tummy for seminal emission is if it's what's called, we'll call it a willful emission. Kamash Malon know that Tumas Keri is just like Tumas Sheretz. And just like Tumas Sheretz ultimately is metame Ba'onis, so too Tumas Keri is metame Ba'onis as well. Good. Tap of Samechas. Says the Gemara, Tap of Samechas. So Bo'al Nida, Ketame Meis. Ultimately, again, if a man has relations with a woman who's a Nida, he becomes Tame like the same level as Tumas Meis. So, so the Gemara says, Lamai. What does that mean? When the Gemara is trying to equate the tumma of a man who has relations with Anida to a person who comes in contact with a corpse. What, what, what are you trying to, what are you, what halach are you trying to highlight? Lemai, if you want to say that they have the same duration of tumma, that's not true. So the Gemara says, Hai Tumas Shivak I'm sorry, not that it's not true. It's already explicitly stated. Hai Tumas Shivak Well, say the Torah explicitly says that if a man comes in a person comes in contact with a corpse, the duration of Tumah is seven days. A person, a man has relations with a woman who's in Nida, the duration of the Tumah is seven days. Ella, lav, 
lemachanosam. Rather, it must be for expulsion purposes that halacha lemaisa. So, a man who has relations with a woman who's a nida has the same level or same degree of expulsion from the camp as tumas meis. Now, Bosse, now remember again, we've already seen for tummy meis. What's the what's the what's the expulsion halacha? Where are you expelled from for tumas meis? Only machan eshchina. It's very interesting, actually, right? It's only that you can't go into the base of mikdash. But remember, again, you could go into the harabayis. You go into the harabayis. You just can't go into the walls of the base of mikdash. So the gemara suggests that the same way that Tomas Mace is expelled from machan eshchina, so maybe maybe balnid is also expelled from machan eshchina. Who made a for the machan But at the end of the bride says talking about expulsion. The Gemara says, Reisha nami the Machanosam. So then the first part of the Braisa, which we just were discussing before with Balkari and Tumasharetz, should also be talking about expulsion. So the Gemara says, not necessarily. Maybe not, maybe not. And it could very well be that each case, each part of the Braisa is reckoned separately. So the Braisa says as follows, Mitzorah, the right, Tumas Mitzorah is more chamer, is more is stricter than the Tumah of Zav. And Zav is more chamer than Tumas Meis. Yatsa Balkeri, Shetame Meis Chamur Rabi Menu. But yet, Tumas Meis is more chamer than Balkeri. So now, what does this mean when it says, so first of all, the first part I already knew from yesterday. Right, we already knew this. That in terms from an expulsion perspective, so Mitzora is the most chamer because remember again, Mitzora is sent out of all three machanos: machana shchina, machana levia, machana yisrael. Zov is sent out of two machanos: machana shchina, machana levia, and Tumas Meis is only expelled from machana shchina itself. Machana shchina, which I will say, by the way, you understand the great anomaly in that, right? Like a corpse is referred to as avi avos hatuma, right? Avi avos hatuma. It's the highest level of tuma. Yet, interestingly enough, the expulsion for exposure to that tuma is the most lenient one. It's very interesting. I, I think by the way, there's a simple idea with it. I think it's because of the idea that almost everyone contracts tumas mace at some point in time. Right, you have a loved one who dies. You have something. It is. It. it and I don't know that it's the most common form of tuma, but Lamaisa, it's a life cycle form of tuma. So if you expel people from all three machanos because of life cycle tuma, that's just going to create. I think it just creates an incredible hardship. Anyway, the Gemara says as follows: But Balkari is excluded, or literally again, Balkari is excluded, or Balkari stands out. Ultimately, again, because Tumas Mace is more chamer. The says, what does that phrase mean? My yatsa. What does that mean, yatsa? That Balkari went out. Lav yatsa michlal zov. Ubal lechlal Does it not mean, I say, see, here's what's interesting. When you look at Balkari, when you look at Balkari, and you look where to place the Balkari, in which category, it makes the most sense to put him with who? To put him with who? With who? Azov. Right? Because we'll say, remember again, what's come down there between a Balkari and a Zav? They're both emissions. They're both emissions. So when, when looking from a Tumah perspective and so from an expulsion perspective, so I would have thought that Balkari falls into the category of Zav. Yet maybe what the Bryce is saying is like this, Yotza Balkari, Yotza Balkari, Shetame Meis Chamur Imenu. So my mouth, Yotza, Lav Yotza Michlal Zav, Ubal Lichlal Tame Meis. Does it not mean 
that we take the Baal Kari out of the category of Zav, which is the category we would have normally put him in, and ultimately, again, we put him in the category of Tomas Meis, Daha Tomei Meis Chamor Mimenu, Umutr Bemachana Leviya. Because ultimately, again, Tomei Meis will be more Chamor than, than, than Zav. And ultimately, again, is Mutr to come into Machana Leviya. To which the Gemara said, Lo, Yatsami Machana Tomei Meis, V'nichnas L'machana Zav. No, so what it means is just the opposite. It means that we are going to remove Balkari from the category of Tumas Meis and put Balkari into the expulsion halachas for Zav. And ultimately, again, even though Tomei Meis is more Chomer than Tomas Balkari, which I will say on a very simple level is why. Remember, Tomas Meis is a seven-day duration of Tumas. Tomas Kari is how long? Is how long? One day. Well, at most, I don't, I, don't, I don't even mean a whole day. It's until the evening of that particular emission. And even though Tamim Meis is more chamer than it, nevertheless, the Mutter Machana Leviya. So ultimately, again, it'll be Mutter Machana Leviya. So ultimately, again, for whatever say, what we're going to say is even though Halacha Lamaisa, you can make the argument that Tumas Meis ultimately is going to be more Hummer than Zav, which makes sense, but ultimately in whatever way we can compare it, we compare it. And therefore, since Zav will be an emission, like, sorry, since Kari is like an emission like Zav, so the Gemara's perspective of it makes more sense to put Kari in the category of Zav than it does to put it in the category of Tumas Meis. Good. So, Tani Tana Kamid Rabbi Yitzchak Barabdimi. V'yatsa al-michutz la-machana. The Pasik says he will go out of the camp. I will say, now this again, this is talking about a Balkari, right? The Pasik that the Gemara is referring to over here is, Kiyeh b'chot ish asher lo yiyatar mikra layla. V'yatsa al-michutz la-machana. Lo yovo el-toch ha-machana. A person has a seminal emission, what the Torah calls mikra layla, right? In an event that occurs at night. Ultimately, again, he goes out of the camp. So the Gemara says, now, interestingly enough, the Pasuk is a bit redundant. It says, V'yatsa al-michutz la-machana, lo yavo el-tolch ha-machana. He will go out of the camp. He should not come into the camp. So the Gemara says, listen to this. So the Gemara says, V'yatsa al-michutz la-machana, zu machana shechino. This refers, he has to go out of the camp. This refers to machana shechino. Which I will say again for our purposes means the base hamikdash lo yavo al tocha machana he should not come into the camp. What does that refer to? Zu machana levia. This refers ultimately again to machana levia the harabayas mikan lebalkeri sheyatsa chutz l'shtei machano. So we'll say from here, what do you see? That balkeri goes out of two camps. Goes out of two camps. Machana shchina machana levia. We'll say exactly like who? Like who? Like who? Zof. Right, exactly like Zav, just like really what we said before. Right, Zav also goes out of two machanos. Akati lo He hasn't even right. The Gemara says you haven't even proven that he could go into one of these camps. You've already removed him. Lish another possibility, another version. Akati lo Rather say as follows. Maybe ultimately again means and he shall not go into the camp. And as well said, the Gemara was just bothered by the order in which they went ahead and explained those phrases. In other words, the Pazik says, He'll go out. He shouldn't go in. So the Gemara just says, perhaps we should just 
we're not we're not arguing on the facts, but maybe just change around the order of the of the drushas. What does that refer to? Because we'll say bepashtos. Remember again that refers to the harabayis, right? That refers to harabayis. Machane levia lo yavo atolcha machane. He should not come into the camp. Zu machane shchina. This refers to machane shchina. So we'll say. So where the gemara is holding right now is that zov. Excuse me, balkari like zov is going to be excluded from two camps. From machane shchina, machane levia. Maskif. So the gemara says maskif la ravina. What's an interesting point? So comes along Ravina. Ravina says, well, maybe not. Maybe both phrases are referring to Machin Eshchina and telling us that a Balkari is not permitted to go into Machin Eshchina. So why does it have to say it twice? To make, to, to make you in violation of a Losase and an Ase if a Balkari does in fact go into Machin Eshchina. So the Lord says, Im Kain, Leimakra, Viyatsa al Michutz la Machana. So we'll say again, if that's the case, if that's the case, the Gemara says, Pasa could have just said, Viyatsal Michutz la Machana. That's all I needed to say. You shall go out of the camp. Why do I need the second phrase as well? So teach me, ultimately, again, that, this, that the Balkari must go ahead and leave a second camp. They will say that the Balkari must leave both Machina Shechina and Machina Levia. So we'll say, what the Gemara essentially is suggesting over here, what not suggesting, what the Gemara is concluding is that Halacha Lamaisa Balkari leaves both camps like the Zav. So therefore, I will say, again, if we have time, I'll, I'll loop back to the Rambam at the end, because it is an actually interesting Rambam in Hochos Bias HaMikdosh, where the Rambam discusses the concept of Shiloh, the concept of expulsion. But what we have over here is as follows. Tomas Meis, Expelled from Machaneshchina. So, both this, as I mentioned yesterday, it's very interesting because, again, it does allow, again, leaving aside any other, but from a Torah perspective, the ability to go up to Harabayis even contemporarily when one is Tamei Tumas Meis. Tumas Meis is only expelled from the confines of the base Hamikdash. Tumas Zov. Tumas Zov, and now it appears Balkari as well, is excluded from, is expelled from Machane Shechina and Machane Levia, which again, using just the Yushalayim model, so therefore the Zov Balkari can't go into the base of Mikdash, can't go on Harabayis, but can be within the city of the walls of Yerushalayim. Most, and of course, most stringently, the Mitzora. The Mitzora is excluded from Machane Shechina, the Beis HaMikdosh, Machane Leviya, the Harabayis, and Machane Yisrael, which means that the, that the, the Mitzora cannot dwell within the confines of the walls of any Jewish city. So, for example, again, he would have to go outside of the walls of Yerushalayim. So, just an interesting, just basic framework of Torah. Good. Back to the Mishnah. Michui Kravov. So, remember again, the Mishnah, when speaking about the things, the, uh, the aspects of the carbon Pesach that you are permitted to go ahead and perform on Shabbos. So, we'll say, so one of the things that the Mishnah said you're allowed to do is Michui Kravov. You could go ahead, now we'll say, now Michui Kravov literally means, sounds like, well, we'll see what it means, but something with the intestines of the animal. So it says the Yimara, my Michui Kravov, Rav Huna Amar, Huna says what it means is you perforate the intestines with a knife. What that allows you to do is to squeeze out any waste that may be lodged in the intestines. Rav Chiyabarav Amar, Sirka Demaya. 
it literally means a scraping of the intestines. That apparently Rashi points out, there's some, Rashi says, Leicha ha'aduka b'me'ayim, sheyotse mehen bedocha kasaki. Apparently there's some type of, I don't know what the right technical term is, shmutz, that is inside of the, that is inside of the intestines, that can only be, it's really, and it's really like stuck there, that has to be removed with the scraping of a knife. So the Gemara says, Sirka demayo denafka agav duchka de sakino. And the only way to remove this shmutz is to go ahead and scrape it off with a knife. I'm Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says, My time de chia barav. Why does chia barav, why does he hold that ultimately again, michui means the scraping off of this shmutz? Interestingly enough, because he quotes a pasuk from Yeshaya. Now the pasuk in its entirety reads as follows: kivasim kid dav rum, and the sheep will graze as it is stated. mechim garim and literally again, charvos means the ruins of homes. Mechim, ultimately again, the fat ones garim who sojourn there will eat it. Now, we'll, say, we, the, we'll see this in just a moment the Gemara, but understand the, the Pasuk over here, Yeshayo, is referring to the fact that when Mashiach comes, the sheep, which is a reference ultimately again to Klav Yisrael, will go ahead and be able to graze on the ruins of the homes who were there before them, which is a reference to the idea that in Eretz Yisrael, that which belonged to our Gentile oppressors over the ages, Will become the dominion of the Jews in the Messianic era. So the Gemara says, "My." Ma-, so the Gemara says, "V'charvos." Now we'll say, interestingly enough. So we're going to see. Well, I'm sorry, mechim. So the Gemara is picking up on the fact. Remember, the Mishnah called it michui, michui kravim, right? The the and now and now what I was saying, michui means the scraping. The Navi uses the same notion of mechim over here. So my mashma of Yosef It means that the property of the wicked, the tzaddikim, will go ahead and consume. Vero kevasim kedavas. Wasn't that once the Gemara quoted this? The Gemara kind of goes on with the drasha over here. Vero kevasim kedabram, and the sheep will graze as it is said. Amrav Menashe bar Yirmiya. Amrav kimedubar bam, as it is stated by them. My kimedubar bam. Amrav baye becharvos mechim garim yochelu. What is stated by the sheep that the sheep will eat the ruins of that the fat ones sojourned in. Amrav Rava bishlama iksiv charvos kedika amrit. That would be fine if it said charvos, but now it says vicharvos, which sounds like the navi is coming to imply something else. Ela amarava kitrav chananal amarav. This is very beautiful. Don't have chananal amarav. Asidin tzadikim sheyichu hamesim. We both say in the, now. Interestingly enough, we're going to see we're going to be referring to over here both the messianic era as well as what we call olam habo in the future. Which I will say, the Pasha just means after the coming of Moshiach, the tzaddikim will, ha- tzaddikim will be mechayim mesim. Tzaddikim will have the ability to go ahead and revive the dead. Revive the dead. So the Gemara says, Ksiv hacha, it says over here, Uru'u kivasim kidabram, that the sheep will graze as it is stated. Ksiv hasam, Yiru bashan vigilad kime olam. Bashan ze elisha. So Bashan ultimately again refers to Elisha. Habamina Bashan Shinemar Vayani Vishafat Babashan Uksiv 
Paul Elisha ben Shafat Ashayatzak Mayin Ayide Eliyahu. Gilad ze Elio, so Gilad refers to Elio. Shenemar vayomer Elio atish bimitoshve Gilad. So we'll say ultimately again through these for the various psukim and similar words in each of these psukim, the Gemara comes to the conclusion that in the Messianic era, Asad Lavo Tzadikim will have the ability to perform Tchias Hamesim. They will have the ability to resurrect the dead. Amar of Shmuel Banachmani. So we'll say second wide line. Amar of Yonasan Asidim Tzadikim Sheyichu Mesim. In the future, the Tzadikim will have the ability to revive the dead. Shneemar, both of that are quite beautiful. Od Yeshvu Zekinim Uzekinos Berachovus Yerushalayim. In the future, so we'll remember again. This is the beautiful vision of the Navi Zechariah. That's when Mashiach comes. What's going to happen? The old men and the old women will sit in the streets of Yerushalayim. Ve'ish mishanto biado merov yamim. And every person will have his staff in his hands from literally, again, longevity of days. So we'll say, now, remember, interestingly enough, what's bothering the Gimara, Rashi points out over here, Rashi points out over here, is that, halacha lamaisa, if you're sitting down, why do you need a staff in your hands? Right? In other words, a staff is only necessary if you're walking, but if you're sitting, why do you need a staff? To which the Gimara understands, because the staff represents something else. What does it represent? Uksiv v'samta mish'anti apne ha'na'ar. By Elisha Hanavi, right? When Elisha wanted to revive the Isha Shunamis, the boy who had passed away, he told Gei go ahead and take my staff and put it on the boy. So again, that doesn't end up happening. Elisha ends up reviving the boy himself. But Lamaisa, the staff, is a, was a reference to Elisha's ability to bring back the dead. So the Gemara suggests over here that in the Yemosa Mashiach, the Zekinim and the Zekinos, which represent the righteous people, will sit with their staff in their hands. Now, because they're sitting, the staff can't be a reference to a staff needed in order to support oneself when walking. So therefore, the Gemara understands that the staff is a reference to the ability to perform Tchias HaMesim. We'll say it's actually really, really quite amazing. Again, there's what to discuss in this idea that what does it mean in Yemosa Mashiach, the Tzadikim are going to have the ability to perform Tchias HaMesim. So we'll say, so remember again, think about what is Tchias HaMesim? Tchias HaMesim is, if we think about it, is like the one miracle, right? Mechayim Mesim Ato Rav Lahoshia. Tchias HaMesim is the miracle most associated with the Rebono Shal Olam. As the Gemara says, it's the Mafteach Shalchaya, it's the key of life, which the Rebono Shal Olam holds. The Gemara, one of the, one of the three Mafteachos, one of the three keys. So we'll say the idea being that when Mashiach comes, the Mosa Mashiach, there's going to be such a clarity regarding the Ribono Shal Olam. That's, so again, because the Mepharshim discuss, is this literal? That the Tzadikim will have the ability to perform Tchias Or perhaps it means that there'll be such an acute level of God awareness and understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and acceptance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it's as if the Tzadikim will have the ability to perform Tchias HaMesim. which is like the hallmark or the cornerstone miracle that makes HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even the Tzadikim will have an understanding of Tchias HaMesim. Whether they will be able to perform it or not is a different discussion, but it represents a heightened level of God awareness, of divine clarity. Ula Ramik Sivs, Ula Kantras Pesukim, it says, Bila Hamavas Anatzach, it says, death will be swallowed up forever. Uksiv ki hanar ben mea shana. And it says also that ultimately the boy is 100, I'm sorry, ki hanar ben mea, I'm sorry, ki hanar ben mea shana yamos. 
the young man will be at least 100 years old before he dies. So both sides. So two conflicting psukim. Kazbila hamavas lanatzach means what? Means that death will be swallowed up forever. But then the Navi also says that what? Pretty much no one will ever die before 100. Which means there'll be longevity. So which one is it? Is there longevity or ultimately again, is there no more death? To which the Gemara says, Lokashia kan bi Yisrael kan ba'akum. One is referring to a Jew, and one is referring to an Akum. So apparently, again, the Yemos HaMashiach, maybe his death will be swallowed up forever. And, but ultimately, again, the Akum. It could be, again, that the Gentile will still experience death, but even the Messianic era will still be blessed with longevity. So the Gemara says, Ovdei kochavim mai bohasam. But what, what, what part do the Ovdei Kochavim have in Yemos HaMashiach? So this is actually pretty incredible. Dechsev, va'amdu zarim v'ra'otzonachem, u'b'nei eichar akirim v'karmechem. To which the Navi says that in the Messianic era, the Yeshaya says, remember, all of this is embedded in a much bigger machlokas concerning the Messianic era. Right? What exactly is Yemos HaMashiach like? So here, obviously, the Yemar is taking the perspective that the Messianic era is much more miraculous in nature. So we will be occupied with spiritual pursuits. That's very nice. Who's taking care of the sheep? Who's taking care of the household? Right? Who's, who's managing my brokerage account? Right? So, so the Gemara says, don't, Navi says, don't worry about it. That in Yerz Hashem, the Gentile nations will step up and they will be there ultimately again to handle our financial affairs. Now, of course, just for this, so you should always understand that there is another point of view on the Messianic era. And the other point of view of the Messianic era is Olam Kimin Hagonohig. It'll be a regular world. It's the same world when Mashiach comes with a couple of major distinctions. Number one, humanity recognizes HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I will say, that's pretty major. Can you imagine what the world looked like if everyone recognized the Ribbono Shal Olam? Now, that doesn't mean everybody becomes Jewish, but everybody recognizes Ribbono Shalom. So I'm just pointing out, you see these two dramatic different approaches as to what the Mosul Mashiach looks like. A supernatural time where there's no death for the Jew, longevity for the Gentile. The Jew is totally occupied with spiritual pursuits and the Gentile nations see to our material needs. Versus a world in which Olam Kimin Hago Noeg, regular world, just a profound theological shift and God awareness on the part of all of humanity. And of course, number two, a recognition ultimately again of Am Yisrael's connection and right to Eretz Yisrael. So both, both things which are pretty dramatic and amazing in of themselves. So the Gemara goes back to Rav Chistra, Mixir Rav Chistra, contrasted to Psukim. It says, ultimately, again, literally, the Levana, the, the moon will be covered and the sun will be embarrassed, which I both say sounds like that in the future, the sun and the moon will not shine. But then the next passage says that the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be 70 times stronger than what it is now. So we'll say, so which one is it? In the future, are the luminaries here or they're not here? So the Mars Lokasha, Kan the Olam Haba. So it's very interesting. So the Gemara says it's two different times. In Olam Haba, which I will say we assume ultimately again is the place where you go when you die. There is no sun and moon there because there you bask in the light of the Ribbono Shalom. And the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of course, eclipses the light of the luminaries. When the Navi discusses the amplification of the light of the luminaries, 
That's talking about the Messianic era. In the Messianic era, the moon becomes, quote-unquote, whole, and the sun becomes even stronger. So the Gemara says, L'shmol Damar, here we go. L'shmol Damar, Eim Beno L'mazel, L'mos Mashiach, Elo Shibur Malchus Bilvad, Ma'ikel Meimah. But Rabbi here it is. It's what I mentioned before. According to Shmuel, remember Shmuel is the opinion who holds, Rabbi say that in the Messianic era, there's no, like, great, like, dramatic, Miracles. I mean, there are miracles. There's no subjugation on the, by, by the nations of the world. Everybody recognizes God. Eretz Yisrael belongs to us and no one contests that right. But according to Shmuel, the sun's going to be the sun, the moon's going to be the moon. So how do you understand this Pasuk? So the Gemara says, Both are referring to Olam Haba, where you go when you die. And I will say again, amazingly enough, in Olam Haba there are also different places. So if you're in what's called Machen Eshechina, which is you have the privilege to bask directly in the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There you bask in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light. There's no luminary light. There's only Chesh Baruch Hu's light. But if you're in Machanet Tzadikim, which by the way sounds like a great place to be in also for all eternity. If you're in Machanet Tzadikim, so apparently there, there is light. But ultimately again there, the Tzadikim have the benefit of an amplified luminary, an amplified moon, and an amplified sun. Quite beautiful. Also, obviously, there's so much to speak about all of these things, but we have to get to Ahmed Beis. Rava Ramik Siv, Ani Amis Vachia. So the Pasuk says, I am God, who literally again, Amis means I put to death and I bring to life. Uksiv machatsti vani arapa. And it says, I will make ill and I will heal. To which the Gemara says, I don't understand. Why does the Pasi, if God is the one who goes ahead and gives life, right? If he goes ahead and gives life, then why does it have to say he heals? Obviously, who could give life. Of course, he could heal. says like this. What's coming teaching is like this. Just like I heal that which I made sick, so too I will give life to that which I took life from. In other words, what the what the pasuk over here is referring to is what the resurrection of the dead. It's not just this meaning. If we just said, who gives life, so it gives life, okay. The baby that's born, it gives life. Sing something more. Just like I heal that which I made sick, which is the same person, so too I will give life to whom I took life from. So the Gemara says, So I will go ahead, I... I I, I took life and I will give life. You might have thought that it's referring to two different people. Because Baruch Hu says, some people I take life from, some people I give life to. Therefore the Pasuk says, I gave sickness and therefore I will heal. Just like the sickness, the illness and the healing is in one person. So to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is talking about over here that I, I took life and I will give life is referring to the same person. But say ultimately again, here is a refutation for those who say there is no scriptural allusion ultimately again to to resurrection of the dead. So therefore, it is this Pasuk in Dvarim that is, that is a biblical reference to resurrection. Where HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ani Amis is referring to the same person. He whom I took life from will be the very person whom I give life back to. So the Gemara says, Tavar Acher, Betchila Mashani Mamis Ani Mechaye, Vechad Vahadar Masha Machatsti Vani Erpe. So ultimately, again, it could also be a Cheshbrach, not Tchias Amesim over here. And he says, First, I will give life to whom I took life from. 
and then I will heal he who then I will heal he who is sick. Also, what that means is as follows: Rashi points out that Tchias Amesim takes on two parts. The first thing Chazal Baruch will do is going to he's going to bring the dead back to life. That's one. But then the second part to both say is that it could very well be that when people died, they had certain ailments. So then the next part will be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will what? Will heal the ailments of those individuals. We'll say quite amazing. In general, one of the interesting questions that we think about is when there's Tchias HaMesim, right? What's, what's like the question that's on your mind, right? What age do you come back with, right? I don't want to come back with a walker with tennis balls on it. Right? That's, not, that's not what I want, right? I'd like to come back a little. But when do you come back? How do you come back? Do you come back when you're, when you're 80? You come back when you're 30? You come back when you're 15 years old? And then what does that mean? Do you age after that? Or do I not age after It's obviously good kashas, good kashas. Halavai mirta to see bekarov. But here's what we do know. It sounds like from here that when there's Tchias HaMesim, there's some type of resurrection with your pre-existing conditions, right? So that, that's what it sounds like. So I'm resurrected. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, So it sounds like from here that I'm resurrected in the same way in which I died. So in which case I'm resurrected as I was at the moment of death. But here's the difference. Whatever ailments I had, HaKadosh Baruch Hu then goes back then goes back and heals. So I said, this is interesting. So what does this mean? The world is going to be like one big senior citizen community. It's going to be like we're all living in Boca. Like what's like what, what was it? Like what's what, what's what's no no. I, no. I think Jeff Rosenblum is on here. I didn't mean to make any Boca jokes. I don't really beach jokes. Good. So I say so so. So interesting enough, so what, what, what does that mean? Again, obviously we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens when Mashiach comes. But again, it is interesting to see resurrection is in two parts. First, the dead are brought back to life. And then ultimately, again, the living are healed from their ailments. Good. Amad days, I will say. Amad days. Good. We're making good time here today. Hector Chalavov. I will say, so the next part is, so the other thing you're allowed to do in the Beisach is you are allowed to go ahead and burn the fats on the Mizbeach. So the Gemara says, Tanya, See how, how important, see how dear a mitzvah in its right time is. Remember again, the burning of the fast and sacrificial parts on the Mizbeach, ultimately again, you could do it all night. You could do it all night. But I will say, interestingly enough, we actually don't wait until nightfall. So even though you could go ahead and burn the fats and the limbs all night long, chaviva mitzvah b'shaita. How praiseworthy it is to do a mitzvah at some point in time, which is another way of saying, zrizin makdimin lemitzvahs. There are also when it comes to forms of mitzvahs, we don't wait, we don't wait, we don't delay. You chatof you grab your opportunities as they come. Beautiful. So the Gemara says, So remember again, the next thing the Mishnah said, then went into the list of things you're not allowed to do to the current Pesach on Shabbos. So for example, you can't bring, you can't carry the Pesach from outside the Trum, or you can't carry the Pesach without an Erev, even when Erev Pesach falls on Shabbos. The other thing the Gemara discussed was cutting off a wart. If the animal has a wart, and the presence of the wart would preclude you from offering up the animal. You can't cut off the wart on Shabbos. On, remember, on Shabbos, out of Pesach. So the Gemara says, or Minhu, but one second, we learned, We learned that, in fact, you are allowed to go ahead and cut off a wart on Shabbos, in the base of Mikdash, but not outside of Mikdash. Now, both say, let's understand, what's involved in cutting off a wart? What's wrong with cutting off a wart? 
So Bipashtos, this is a derivative of the Malacha of Gozes. Right? The Malacha of Gozes is shearing. You're not allowed to shear an animal on Shabbos. So Bipashtos, the wart removal, ultimately, again, would be a derivative of that. Yet the Bryce over here says, you can remove a wart on Shabbos inside of the base Hamikdash from the animal, but not outside of the base Hamikdash. Ve'im bekli, but if you remove the wart with the utensil, kan vikan asr, then it's asr in the Mikdash and outside of the Mikdash. So I'll say, but yet our Mishnah said you can't remove the wart, so what's going on? So again, I'll say, how do we reconcile our Mishnah that says you can't remove the wart with the price that says you can remove the wart? So two different opinions. So I'll say, one opinion said, both are dealing with wart removal by hand. And it's not a contradiction. One is talking about a moist wart. One is talking about a dry wart. So I'll say, so what does this mean? That remember, the dry wart, as we're going to see, pretty much crumbles when you remove it. That's when it's not a problem to remove that on Shabbos. So the Bryce that says that you could remove a wart was talking about a dried out wart that can be very easily removed by hand. A moist wart is much more complicated and that'll be Asr on Shabbos. The Gemara says, I'm sorry, the other opinion said no, both are dealing with a moist wart. One is talking about wart removal by hand and one is about wart removal with a utensil. You cannot remove a wart with a utensil on Shabbos, either in the Beis HaMikdash or outside of the Beis HaMikdash. But when the Bryce has said that you can remove a wart inside the Beis HaMikdash, that's if you're able to pull it off somehow with your hand. As long as you don't have to use a kli, it's going to work. And I remember again, removing a wart with your hand outside of the Beis HaMikdash will be an Isidur But remember, inside the Beis HaMikdash, we have a concept of in Shavus B'Mikdash. Right, that Dine Drabanan, right, rabbinic law, when it interferes with sacrificial law, is kind of set aside. So the Gemara says, according to the opinion who made the distinction, that the Bryce is talking about wart removal by hand, and the Mishnah is talking about by a clean. Why didn't he subscribe to the approach that said both are talking about wart removal by hand? And make the distinction that our Mishnah, which did not allow the removal of wart, was talking about a moist wart. The Bryce that said that you can remove the wart is talking about a dry wart. Dry wart, he's in dry, dry wart. So, because he'll say, We'll say the removal of a dry wart is not a question. Why? Because apparently once the wart dries out, it just crumbles. And everyone will agree that halacha that is not problematic. And according to the approach you said that both the Mishnah and the Bryce are talking about the removal by hand. And it's not a contradiction. One is talking about a dry wart, one is talking about a moist wart. I'm sorry. Uh, my time, why didn't he go with the approach that said, Idivi, Idi, Balacha? While they're talking about a moist word, for Lokasha, Habiyat, Habakli, Amrlacha, he'll say to you, I'm sorry, Amrlacha, Kli, Hak, Zimars, Amrlacha, Kli, Hakatani, Hasam, Imbikli, Kan, Vikan, Asr. Because I'm also, he will say that, no, 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 everyone will agree, you can't use the Kli, because once there's the usage of a Kli, by definition, it becomes Asr. And the other opinion will say, no, the reason it brought down the discussion regarding the Kli is to introduce the Machlokis, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Yoshua. So good. So we'll say, so halacha the way the Rabbam codifies this halacha, is by making the distinction between the moist wort and the dried one. That halacha I'm sorry, that, that they're both talking about a, let me take it differently, the Rabbam Paskins, 
that the removal of a dry wart is not going to be a problem because generally it just crumbles and there's no, there's no din of gozes. There's no potential issue of shearing. The moist wart issue, it depends how you're removing it. If you're removing it biyad, if you're removing it by hand, then that will be mutter inside of the base amikdash, out, prohibited outside of the base amikdash. But removal of the moist wart with a kli will be problematic ultimately again in the mikdash and outside of the mikdash. Good. Am Rebbe Umayim Shechita. So remember again, the Mishnah then got into a more general discussion. Rabbi Eliezer said that halacha lemaisa. Rabbi Eliezer said wanted to make a kavachomer, and he felt that the removal of the wort from the carbon pesach should be mutter on Shabbos based on a kavachomer. What was the kavachomer? If you're allowed to do shechita, if you're allowed to do shechita on Shabbos for the carbon pesach, which is an iser da'oraisa, then certainly what you could remove the wort, which is at most what an iser drabana. That 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 was that was Rabbi that was Rabbi Eliezer's logic. So the Gemara says as follows, Amr Rabbi Lazar, so Rabbi Yoshua, and remember, Rabbi Yoshua came along, and Rabbi Yoshua disagreed with this. Rabbi Yoshua said, um, Rabbi Yoshua said, Yom Tov Yochiach, we're going to get to a fascinating sugi now in the last two minutes we have. Rabbi Yoshua said, that's not a good argument, I'll tell you why. Look at Yom Tov. Yom Tov, right, Yom Tov, you are allowed to do malacha, right, you're allowed to do malacha for the sake of Ochel Nefesh, and yet rabbinic law still remains. Most remember again, let me go back one second. Rabbi Eliezer, the Mishnah said that you can't remove the wart from the carbon Pesach on Shabbos. Although there's a lot of stuff you could do vis-a-vis the Pesach, you can't remove the wart. Rabbi Eliezer says that makes no sense. If you're allowed to go ahead and do Shechita, which is an Isr Da'oraisa, you could certainly remove the wart, which is at most an Isr Da'rabanan. To which Rabbi Yoshua said, I'll tell you why your logic is flawed. Look at Yom Tiv. Yom Tiv, you're allowed to do things which are normally an Isr Da'oraisa. What can you do on Yom Tiv? You could cook. You could do Ochel Nefesh. Yet, rabbinic prohibitions still remain intact. So you see from here that just because certain biblical prohibitions are lifted does not automatically mean that rabbinic prohibitions are lifted as well. That's Rabbi Yeshua's logic. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua goes according to his reasoning. Because Rabbi Yeshua said, the Amar, we'll say this is great. Simchas yamtiv nami mitzvahi. Rabbi Yeshua says that the obligation to rejoice on Yamtiv is a biblical obligation. This Sanya, we'll say, here we go, this is great. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, We'll say this is an incredible Gemara, which we'll start today. And I think what we'll probably just do is maybe we'll start a little bit earlier tomorrow. Rabbi Eliezer says like this. Rabbi Eliezer says, on Yom Tiv, you have to make a choice. Do you want your Yom Tiv experience to be holy or do you want it to be mundane? Either, either, either you're going to eat and drink or you're going to sit and learn. Okay, so we'll have to explain, we'll have to explore exactly what this means. That Rabbi Yehuda is saying is Yamtiv is an all or nothing experience. Either it's not mundane, because even the eating and drinking is holy, but either you make it a more physical experience or you make it a spiritual experience. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Chalkeir, Rabbi Yeshua says, no, you split the day in half. Chalkeu, Chatsev Lachilushtia, Chatsev Lebesamadrish, Yamtiv must be split in half. Half of it, ultimately, again, is for spiritual pursuits. Half of it ultimately again is for material pursuits, or not material pursuits, physical enjoyment. From Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said they both dash in the same pasik. One pasik is now both say now at Saras, at Saras we're going to see means as follows. It says, So somewhere of your Pesach, but we're going to see where it first comes to the general. We'll, say, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up a mirror session with this. We're going to start the daft tomorrow morning at 5.45. We'll, 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 re- we'll resume 
Um, we'll say tomorrow morning incredible sugya about Simchas Yomtiv and just in general about an incredible Hashkafa Sachai. So we'll continue over here tomorrow. Hashkafa, we'll say.